This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health, a new, fully integrated biopharmaceutical solutions organization that's the result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health. Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com podcast. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is August 22nd, and we'll be talking healthcare. I'm your host, Christine Harchis, and I'm joined by Fool.com contributor Brian Feroldi via Skype. What's going on, Brian? Hey, Christine. How's it going? Pretty good. I'm excited to have you on the show. So, excited Brian, to be here. Uh, Brian has 10 years of experience in the medical devices sector, and he now primarily covers healthcare stocks for Fool.com. And we're having him on Industry Focus because he loves sharing hidden gems, small cap stocks that go overlooked by Wall Street. So, Ryan, kick us off and walk me through how you find these diamonds in the rough. Sure. Um, so, as you said, I small cap stocks tend to get a bad rap amongst investors as being uh, a risky and, and that makes sense because a lot of them do not have the competitive advantages that uh, larger companies do. Um, so, that, so that causes some people to kind of stick away from them. But I just love scouring the markets for uh, small companies because they typically have a much bigger growth potential than, than the larger caps do. Uh, having said that, I'm, I'm usually extremely picky with which stocks I, I pay attention to and, and like. Um, I like to see that the company itself, even though it's small, it, it does something that makes it special or unique so that it either has a strong competitive advantage uh, in its industry if it has a lot of competitors or the ideal scenario is that it's creating its own industry and it has no competitors at all. Um, I also look for companies that have recurring revenue that's very, that's very predictable. I want a, a clear path to get to profitability if the company isn't there yet. Um, I want to see uh, a founder at the helm or at the very least a great culture um, so uh, when you kind of tick through all those things, it eliminates a lot of small caps from contention. So we're going to pitch three stocks today that check off, would you say, all those boxes or at least most of those boxes? I would say the vast majority of, of these boxes, yes. Awesome. Let's do it. Company number one is called Lamate Vascular. Their ticker is LMAT. Brian, you're actually heading to their headquarters tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to go check it out and get to uh, see, see some of the products up close. So I'm pretty excited about that. Right. And what are those products? What exactly do they do? So, uh, Lamate Vascular, as, as you'd probably guess from their name, they, they cater to the needs of vascular surgeons. So, for those that don't know, vascular surgery is surgery of the veins and the arteries, um, so the circular system, that takes place outside of the heart. So, what these guys do is they sell um, 14 different product lines that are used in vascular surgery. So, products like grafts and patches, tape, catheters, uh, those kind of things, um, except while, while the vascular mar market in general is, is, is pretty large, it's about a $5 billion market, um, what Lamate does to compete is they focus on niche product markets. So they kind of look for products that have less than, uh, product categories that have less than $150 million in annual sales. And they look to kind of dominate a whole bunch of niche markets as opposed to competing against the, the large companies. Um, so by taking a niche focus, it kind of insulates them from competition. 
Yeah, they're basically going after the niches of the market that are too small potatoes for a Goliath like a Johnson and Johnson. So they have these 15 different product lines, and the vast majority of their products hold the number one or number two market share position, which means they're doing a pretty good job. They have this eye for quality, which is likely derived from the fact that this is a family business that was started by George Lamate, who was a vascular surgeon. Yeah, so the the, uh, the story is the business was founded in the the 1980s um, by a vascular surgeon who was frustrated with the products that were available at the time. So he uh, hired an engineer to create some kind of new ones, and he ended up founding this business. And uh, his his son actually took over as um, as CEO of the business a few years in, and that was 26 years ago. So while while they were publicly traded, you know, it was started by a vascular surgeon, and it's been run by his son, the CEO, for the last. Uh, 26 years. And while they were kind of uh, small initially, um, they have through uh, organic product uh, innovation and through making acquisitions compiled together a pretty impressive um, group of products that, like as you said, holds the number one or number two market share in their in their niches. Um, and when you cobble all those together, the, the company did about uh, $100 million in revenue, which isn't which isn't an enormous number. Um, uh, in the grand scheme of things, but that is still big enough for this company to be profitable, uh, cash flow positive, and their balance sheet is just pristine. It's got fi- uh, over $50 million in cash and zero debt. Um, so if you look at the financial of the business, it's very attractive. And given that they're only selling about $100 million in annual revenue right now, there's a huge potential for growth, too. Their total addressable market is supposedly a billion dollars. So it could potentially be a huge growth runway in front of this company. Given that they are a smaller company pursuing growth, something that really stood out to me about them as quirky is the fact that they pay a dividend. Why is that? that that's a great question that I'm going to actually ask management uh, tomorrow. I, I would personally prefer them to see them retain all of their capital and use it to either pump more into R&D or to make uh, acquisitions. But you know, since they're a family-run business, perhaps the CEO just wanted to have some more income for himself. Um, the the, the uh, insiders in general of this business hold about 19% of, of the total uh, shares outstanding. So they do have an incentive to, to pay a small dividend. Um, but to your point, Christine, what I like about this company is its is its growth strategy is is pretty straightforward. Um, so because they operate in these niche markets, they have much more pricing power than they would if they were competing against, you know, like you said, Johnson and Johnson or Medtronic on a day-to-day basis. So each year they push through, you know, three to four percent price increases on on their products, and they add a few more uh, sales reps to their team. They have about a hundred in total. And when you combine in occasional acquisitions, they've they've grown their revenue, you know, at a modest, you know, eleven percent uh, rate over the last five years, and they've translated that into something like forty five percent growth in earnings through margin enhancements. So it's 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 modest growth on the on the top line that translates into very strong growth in the bottom line. And the market has given this company a $717 million market cap, which has fluctuated a good bit. They fell pretty hard in April after reporting disappointing earnings. They still haven't fully recovered. By most every metric, they're pretty expensive. What do you think of their valuation? Uh, I think it's. I, I think it does ha, uh, boast a premium valuation, and I think that's because of their consistency and their niche focus and all the attributes that we just ran, uh, ran through. Uh, having said that, though, this company is up more than 500 percent 
since its IPO in 2006. So it has already thrashed the market. And I see a pretty clear pathway to continue posting regular earnings growth. So while investors would have to pay a premium price tag to get their hands on it today, it, it might be worth it. Awesome. So uh, as you go visit them tomorrow, what other questions are top of mind? Oh, I always like to ask about their long-term strategy with with uh, M and A. I always like to dig into the the culture of a business and learn more about how uh, you know how, how employees are recruited, trained, and and retained. Uh, so I plan on digging into that. Okay, great. And I'm sure you'll be writing an article after the trip. You can look forward to it. Yes, listeners, if you're interested in it, shoot us a note at industryfocus at full dot com, and we'll be happy to send it along once it is complete and published on full dot com. All right, that is Pitch One. We'll be right back with two more after a quick message from our sponsor. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health. Bringing a new drug to market is getting tougher and tougher. At Cineos Health, they're changing the game. As a result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, they have created a unique business model that allows clinical and commercial disciplines to work together, eliminating traditional process obstacles and delivering something they call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Helping their customers accelerate the delivery of important therapies to patients, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com slash podcast. The next hidden gem that we want to spotlight today is called Health Equity. Their ticker is HQY. They are a $5.4 billion market cap health tech company that manages health savings account. So that begs the question, Brian, what is an HSA? Yeah, so an HSA is a way for uh, people and employees to save uh, money on, on their health spending. Uh, some people might be familiar with um, flexible spending accounts. Um, so an HSA is kind of that, but, but even better. So the way an HSA works is that uh, employees can put pre-tax dollars into them. The money then grows in, in the account tax-free, and then when as long as it's used to pay for qualified healthcare expenses, uh, there's no tax on taking it out. So it's kind of like this magical account that off offers people a triple tax advantage. Uh, having said that, HSAs are only available to people that have a high deductible healthcare plan. So I believe that's something like more than a $1,300 um, per year deductible before their health benefits kick in. So it's not available to everybody, but because of the general rise in insurance premiums, one of the benefits of high deductible health care plans is that their premiums are much lower than they would be for a regular plan that just had a, a, a standard copay. So because of the, the, the cost savings on the premiums, HSAs have become, the popularity of these things has exploded in recent years as more people have chosen high deductible health plans. Yep. The Motley Fool just added an HSA high deductible plan to our Health account or our uh, health plan here for employees, and I went for it. So this is my first year of having an HSA. I think it's an awesome tax-saving vehicle. Um, going back to the business model for health equity, they basically partner between health plans and employers to offer these HSA plans to employees and members. They have four different sources of recurring revenue. That's the subscription fees from the health plans and employers. There's AUM fees, assets under management. There's payment fees, and there's investment fees. And it seems like this is all adding up to really quick growth in revenue. 
what is differentiating this business model? Why couldn't some other company come in, do the same thing, take out a little bit of margin and beat them? That's a great question. So they like to say that their advantage um, is in this kind of services that they provide and the, and the view they take on it. So this this company has like it's not based in Silicon Valley, but it's got that ethos kind of up and down it. And they really do what they can to put their their members first. So if you go to their if you're um, a member and you go to their website, they will actually help you find local healthcare providers that charge lower prices for services. Um, and they have just great customer customer service. Um, and when combined with acquisitions, that fact has actually allowed them to consistently uh, take market share in the HSA market. So rewind the clock to 2010, uh, they had about 4% market share in all HSAs. Fast forward to last year, and that number was up to 15%. And all along the way, the number of HSA accounts in general was, was growing uh, as they increased in popularity. So health equities revenue growth over that time period was just has just been phenomenal. Yeah, this is a company that has crushed the market since its 2014 IPO, much like Lamate did as well. They are also a, a team where the culture matters and the founder is still involved. There's 19% insider ownership. So it checks a lot of those boxes that you mentioned at the top of the show. Yeah, I mean, just take last year as an example. So last year, their revenue grew uh, about 29%. And uh, this business has already achieved enough scale to start producing free free cash flow and net income. And because because they have uh, recurring revenue and they've already built this, this platform, uh, if you will, as they add more members to that, it doesn't cost them increasingly more member money to service them. So as a result, their net income has actually grown much faster uh, than their revenue. So, for example, last year they had 29% revenue growth, but that translated into net income growth of 80%. Um, so this is this is just another business that, um, uh, as you say, because of the recurring revenue and because of the trend that it's riding, I could easily see revenue growing double digits and net income going even faster than that for many years to come. I love seeing those economics in a business. So. Perhaps not surprisingly, this company is also expensive, quote unquote, with traditional valuation metrics. What do you think about its valuation that stands around five billion? Yeah, so there's no doubt that this stock is pricey. I mean, it's trading for 22 times sales, 65 times next year's earnings. So investors are absolutely paying a premium if they're buying today. So if you buy this stock, you truly have to believe that it can continue to grow its revenue and its net income uh, for many years to come. I, I happen to believe that they can, so I, I am personally a shareholder um, of, of this business, and I have no plans on selling. Great. Our third and final hidden gem for today's show has actually come up on Industry Focus before, so some of you may have heard of it. Brian pitched us NovoCure, ticker NVCR, back in October 2017, and the stock is up 80% so far in 2018, now standing at a $3.4 billion market cap. For those who missed that initial episode, uh, give us the basics on what this company does. So NovoCure is kind of an oddball company. So they're a medical device company that's focused on cancer. So they, the idea that they came up with many years ago was um, that electric fields that are produced by um, you know, electric signals um, can actually work to inhibit cell division in cancerous tumors. Now, this idea just sounds really crazy, but they actually have uh, taken, gotten a product approved called Optune uh, a few years ago. So this device is on the market, and uh, the, the initial thing that they targeted 
initial disease state that they targeted was called uh, glioblastoma multiform, which is a very deadly form of brain cancer. So patients literally take this device, which kind of looks like a swimming cap that has some cords uh, attached to it, and they put this on their head, and it emits very low-dose electric fields, and those electric fields are tuned to a specific frequency that inhibit cell division in brain cancer. So when you combine this product with uh, chemotherapy, surgery, and radiation, which are the kind of the standard standard care treatments for brain cancer, uh, it's actually, they, they, this company has the clinical data to prove that this crazy idea actually works to uh, extend life. The stock has been surging all year because last December the company proved that adding Optune, the device, to standard chemo and therapy increased the uh, survival chances of newly diagnosed patients with GBM by 37% compared to chemotherapy alone. And I really like that it's additive. It doesn't have to battle against longstanding traditional methods of care for first-line treatment. It's something that a doctor can say, hey, this thing has been proven in the clinic to be an effective addition. There are no side effects. Why not add it on? Yeah, I mean, the, the idea of tumor-treating fields, as, it call, as it's called, kind of is so out there that this company faced an intense amount of scrutiny when it first came uh, on the market. And, you know, doctors were just naturally skeptical because it was so different than what has been out there. But uh, to your point, as they've actually produced survival data, long-term clinical data that's proven that this technology actually works, more and more doctors have been willing to actually give it a chance and prescribe it to their patients. Um, and that's just led to Novacure's revenue growth has just been phenomenal. I mean, in 2017, they posted 114% uh, revenue growth uh, year over year. And, and despite that huge growth, their penetration rates just in the U.S., Europe, and Japan, where they're currently FDA approved, is still, ve- is still very small in, uh, in brain cancer. So in, in, without getting any more indications, they could literally grow their revenue by 10x from here by just increasing their, their penetration. Which is pretty cool. They only have a little over 2,000 active patients right now. If you look at the total addressable market just in GBM, that stands around 13,000. And they're also studying this in other cancers, so they could potentially expand much beyond that. Yeah, the, that's, the, that's the, really, the lottery ticket with this business. So I, I, what caught my eye about Optune is, as you said, it's, it's non-invasive and there's really no side effects. I mean, you basically put this cap on and it it just, you know, almost like magically uh, works against cancer, um, which sounds crazy. But again, they have the clinical data to show that to, to back it up. Um, but they believe that Optune has many tumor treating fields and Optune have many uses beyond brain cancer. So they're studying it uh, in mesothelioma, lung cancer, ovarian cancer, pancreatic cancer, and brain metastases. So they're in phase one, two, and three with, with those various um, cancers. If they can win approval in any of those, I mean, their total addressable market just just explodes. Uh, you, you talk about a 25x increase if they get, for example, lung cancer, which has hundreds of thousands of people that suffer from lung cancer every year. So because this is something that patients pay a monthly fee to use, talk to me a little bit about the pricing model and how they've been doing getting insurers covering it. Yeah, so it is relatively expensive to use, as are many um, you know, drugs that treat cancer. Uh, I believe the number is that they bill is $17,000 per month 
Um, now, they, they actually don't receive that. That's just kind of the, uh, the list price. But they basically bill patients on a, a bill, bill insurers, excuse me, on a, on a month basis. Now, the, the parts that the patients wears on their head, those are changed out every, you know, two to, two to four days about there. And uh, Novacure just kind of bundles the whole thing up into, into one pricing model. Um, so uh, because of the small numbers of uh, patients with uh, glioblastoma multiform, Insurers have been willing to to cover this, um, so it is covered by the vast majority of insurers. Um, and the patient, uh, patients that have Medicare um, can actually get access to this uh, product through a uh, compassionate program, and even though Novacure itself is not receiving uh, payments from Medicare. So they've been working with the government to, to actually get a coverage for Medicare, and if they can do that, their their revenue would pretty much instantaneously increase by thirty percent. That's awesome. So. Uh, these guys, as usual with the companies that we're talking about, look really expensive. Uh, do you have any additional thoughts to add on their valuation? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, there's there's no real way to value this company. I mean, they they're not yet uh, they're not yet profitable. They're they're trading at something like 16 times uh, price to sales. So if you are buying the stock today, you have to be willing to hold it for many years, and you have to believe that Optune will eventually get approval and they will have success in those uh, in those other cancers. Um, I believe that that's the case, but because this company is still is still losing money, they're about a year or two away from profitability. Uh, it's definitely one of the higher risk ones. Because this has come up with all three of the stocks that we've talked about, you know, buying in at a high valuation when the company has already run up a good bit. I want to talk about that more on a theoretical level. So there's an instinct to not want to buy more of a stock that's already been climbing since now it's more expensive. But Brian, you seem to love adding money to the stocks in your portfolio that have grown a bunch. Talk to me about your winners keep on winning mentality. Yeah, that's that is a complete that's something that's completely backwards. To, to most investors, and, and I will tell you, when I first started investing, I was absolutely the kind of investor that looked to dry, would rather buy a stock at a 52-week low instead of its 52-week high. And it can be it's it's extremely can be challenging to buy a stock when a year ago you could have gotten it for half the price that it was trading at. Uh, however, one of the things that uh, David Gardner, one of the co-founders of the, of the Fool, uh, has instilled in me is that winners tend to keep on winning. So oh, I've seen that happen enough with the investments that I've made over the years that I would now much rather buy a stock that has already gone up a lot instead of one that has fallen a lot. But that, that is a counterintuitive mindset that, uh, that I am happy to take on. And the counter argument would be that the stock market is generally looking pretty frothy, and these growth stocks are probably just the ones that will get hit the most in a market downturn, which is inevitable. What would you say to those that have that hesitation? Oh, I completely agree. I mean, if the stock market did fall, uh, the stocks that we talked about today because of their premium valuations would probably fall further uh, than, than the market. So as an investor, you do have to be comfortable taking on that volatility. Now, I, my counter argument to that would be, I'm not holding these stocks. I'm not buying them today because I want to profit on them in a month or three months or six months. I literally want to hold each of these businesses for five plus years. So if you just assume you know, fast growth rates for the next five years, their valuations do not look as extreme as you would think. But if you take a short-term mentality with, with these stocks, uh, you, you could probably get hurt really bad. So just to close us out, if you had to choose just one of the three stocks that we talked about to add to your portfolio at today's prices, which would it be? 
I knew you were going to ask that too. Uh, if I had <laughs> Am I not to predictable? Pick one, uh, I, I would probably take health equity just because the business is already uh, achieved scale. They're already profitable. They're already posting fast revenue growth. And I think this business just has a huge runway for, for growth ahead of it. Although while it is expensive on, on a forward earning basis, um, I, I could easily see this business growing into this valuation many times over. Great. Brian, thanks so much for joining me on the show today and shining a light on some frequently overlooked healthcare stocks, as well as the foolish investing philosophy. You know, I love talking about hidden gems. So thanks for having me on. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Today's show was produced by Austin Morgan. For Brian Feroldi, I'm Christine Hargis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! These days, bringing a new drug to life is getting tougher and tougher. It can take billions of dollars and a decade or more to bring an experimental drug from molecule to market. And only one in five marketed drugs ever achieve revenues that match or exceed R&D costs. At Cineos Health, we're working to improve the odds. The result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, Cineos Health is the only company purpose-built to create what we call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Our unique business model allows the clinical and commercial disciplines to work together from the start, sharing critical data, insights, and knowledge. The Cineos Health approach creates success by eliminating traditional obstacles and smoothing the process at every step along the way, from clinical trials to FDA approval, branding and marketing to patient adherence. Every day, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit SineosHealth.com slash podcast.